My favorite way to enjoy the nice summer weather is on my electric bike from our sponsor, Electric E-Bikes. It's super fun. You can go up to 28 miles an hour with tons of torque, fully foldable for easy storage, ships fully assembled, and they have affordable financing. Go to lectricebikes.com. The link is in the podcast notes. Sadly, we start today with a tale of stochastic terrorism perpetrated by the twice indicted, twice impeached, failed former president. You know the guy I'm talking about, the guy who's orange. Trump posted Barack Obama's address or what he believed to be Barack Obama's address or what was supposedly Barack Obama's address. And even though it wasn't, an armed man showed up and prosecutors now know all about it. The Associated Press reports Trump posted what he said was Obama's address. An armed man was soon arrested there. And the question I have for you as we read through this is, did Trump know exactly what he was doing? Former President Donald Trump posted on a social media platform what he claimed was the home address of former President Barack Obama. On the same day, a man with guns in his van was arrested near the property. Federal prosecutors said Wednesday, revealing new details about the case. The individual is a 37 year old Taylor Taranto, who prosecutors say participated in the January 6th riots on uh, January 6th, 2021. He kept two firearms and hundreds of rounds of ammunition inside a van he drove across country and had been living in, according to the Justice Department motion that seeks to keep him behind bars. On the day of his June 29 arrest, prosecutors said Taranto reposted a truth social post from Trump containing what Trump claimed was Barack Obama's home address. In a post on Telegram, Taranto wrote, quote, we got these losers surrounded. See you in hell, Podestas and Obamas. That's a reference to John Podesta, who chaired Hillary's 2016 campaign. Taranto also told followers on his YouTube live stream he was looking to get a, quote, good angle on a shot, good angle on a shot. Federal defender representing Taranto did not immediately return a phone message seeking comment, but a motion seeking to have him released pending trial. Um, the lawyer wrote that in a motion, the lawyer wrote Taranto is not a flight risk and he served in Iraq. OK. Um, all right. So does Trump know exactly what he's doing when he does this sort of thing? I believe that the term stochastic terrorism applies here. Stochastic terrorism is a technical term that is the epitome of what we are seeing here. When we say stochastic terrorism, what we mean is when public figures or media outlets, sometimes it will be Fox News or others, they can inspire seemingly random acts of violence by spreading hateful or extremist messages to a large enough audience that is likely to be receptive to it. And it is historically outside of any legal liability. So I'll give you an example. In fact, we, we have real life examples. This guy, Glenn Beck, right wing nut. I think he has a show now on the blaze or one of these right wing online things. He used to be a Fox News host, used to be a CNN host. OK, for a while, 
he would rant and rave about an organization called the Tides Foundation. And he would say it's just a horrible organization. I don't even remember at this point. It's been so long what it was that was so bad about the Tides Foundation. But he would rant and rant and rant. He never directed any particular person to go and do anything to the Tides Foundation. But given that the audience of Glenn Beck was a right wing conspiratorially minded audience, receptive to having their attention focused on whatever the scapegoat of the day or of the week was, you could sort of uh, predict in some general sense that Glenn Beck's relentless focus on the Tides Foundation might inspire an act of violence against the Tides Foundation. You couldn't predict that, you know, Joe Schmo the third from Florida would be the guy to do the act of violence. But you could say we know that some percentage of the population is uh, um, suggestible in this way. And we know that Glenn Beck's audience is big enough where if it's even only point one percent of his audience that would hear him talk about the Tides Foundation and go and do something, that means there's at least a handful of people who would go and do it. And eventually this story ended less tragically than it could have ended, which was California Highway Patrol. I again, the, the details elude me, but pulled over a guy with guns in his car going to the Tides Foundation because Glenn Beck had talked about it. That's stochastic terrorism. It's not that Glenn Beck directed in the way that you might say, OK, you're my accomplice for this crime. Go and do this thing. I'm legally liable. OK, I tell you to do it, give you the means, give you the reasoning or what the inspiration. It's not legal liability. So we use the term stochastic terrorism. That's what we're dealing here with Trump putting out what he claimed was Barack Obama's home address. You know, I used to think that Trump winning the 2016 election was one of the biggest disasters in American history. I don't know that I've given it enough credit. It's probably more like in modern world history, the election of Trump and the cult status of Trump as a leader to at least tens of millions of people, quite frankly, probably one of the worst events, one of the biggest disasters in modern world history. And interestingly enough, Trump wants more people out protesting for him. Fortunately, it doesn't seem that many people are willing. And that's what I want to talk about next. There's a very interesting report uh, related to a recent truth social post from Donald Trump. Mediaite writes Trump ramps up calls for Americans to hit the streets on his behalf. Do people even have a choice but to protest? And the article sort of points at a recent truth central post from Donald Trump where he wrote naturally in all capital letters, as he tends to do. Quote, massive prosecutorial misconduct is currently taking place in America. The weaponization of law enforcement cannot be allowed to happen. Crime and inflation are rampant. Our borders are open. Our elections are rigged. Our economy is in shambles. By the way, none of these things are true. Our energy independence is gone. Our quote leader is mercilessly mocked and our country is being destroyed both inside and out. Do the people of this once great nation even have a choice but to protest the potential doom of the United States of America? 2024, there are two competing big storylines with Trump's requests and in some cases demands that his followers go out and protest out in public. The first one is even though January 6th went terribly, Trump is still suggesting to people that they go out and protest. This is reckless. 
this is self-centered, egotistical and narcissistic and all of those things. Trump doesn't care or is ignoring or has forgotten or is indifferent to the fact that the last time he convinced people to go and protest, about a thousand people got arrested and charged with various crimes and some people died. OK, uh, and it almost held up. It temporarily held up the um, what should be a peaceful transfer of power in that case in 2021 between Trump and Biden. That's one story. The second story is that even though Trump's followers, uh, I guess, still support the guy based on the polling that we're looking at, they don't seem very willing to go out and protest. Now, that may be because they don't care enough to go out and protest, or it may be because they they know what happened on January 6th. They don't want to end up in pretrial detention awaiting trial. OK, so but for whatever reason, Trump is struggling to get people to go and protest for him. You might remember uh, in late March, the New York Times uh, wrote an article. Trump claims his arrest is imminent and calls for protests echoing January 6th, except the protests didn't really happen. There was a small show of support at uh, Mar-a-Lago. And then ultimately, when Trump was arrested and indicted both times, there were relatively small groups of people who went out and it wasn't even totally clear that they cared really that much. You might remember that before Donald Trump's second arrest, as US News reminds us, Trump calls supporters to action as he prepares for arraignment on criminal charges in Miami. Again, this was for the second arrest in Miami. We were live on the ground there uh, and there really was not that much going on. Yes, some of them showed up, but it was a lot of media and a lot of sort of curious uh, uh, rubberneckers who did not seem particularly committed to protesting for Trump. And then shortly uh, after the first arrest, there was this report from PBS. Trump's calls for protests failed to gain traction ahead of anticipated indictment. So there is a very interesting situation <clears throat> where a guy that still has the devotion of more than half of the Republican electorate. We have the polling. Trump still polling at this point, 53 percent holding very steady. This is exactly where he was at the beginning of April, more or less. Trump still the support and devotion of more than half of the Republican Party, but they either seem to know better or aren't quite enough committed that they are willing to go out and protest. That all being said, as Trump's trials move forward, if he's indicted a third time, a fourth time, potentially, if it starts to impact Trump's ability to run his campaign as the debates and everything get going, all of which we'll be covering, maybe his followers will be more inspired to get out there and protest if they do. Remember, my view on this is very nonpartisan um, protest, very patriotic and American. It's a form of speech, et cetera. Violence, I do not condone or defend. And if they go into law breaking and violence, then I will say throw the book at them as uh, they already should know better based on January 6th. We're going to follow all of it. But interestingly, nothing so far is moving polling. We've got the polling up on the screen. The purple line is Trump. You did see this boost after the first indictment, but basically flat. You see DeSantis, who lost a little support after Trump's first indictment, but is more or less steady. And then at the bottom, you've got the zero through sixes. The only guy who's seeing a little bit of a bump lately is Mike Pence. And I actually have no opinion as to why that is at six percent. It doesn't really seem like the guy's got a path to the nomination. 
We have such a great program for you today. I'm glad you're here. This was a shortened week because because of the 4th of July. Next week is a full, robust, thick and meaty week of programming. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Remember that the children's critical thinking book continues to be available at davidpackman.com slash book. We are up now over 500 copies sold. It is an incredible thing that is going on. We'll talk about all of it. There will be time for all of it. We'll take a quick break and be right back. One of our sponsors is Ounce of Hope, offering high quality THC cannabis products shipped right to your door anywhere in the U.S., 100 percent federally legal, giving my listeners 20 percent off. Ounce of Hope is an aquaponic cannabis company, which means that their process is sustainably raising fish using the nutrient rich water from the fish habitat, meaning the fish poop to feed to the cannabis plants as fertilizer, organic and symbiotic. They donate the fish to local homeless shelters. They donate their excess fish fertilizer to small farms and gardens in their community. So there are many things to love about Ounce of Hope. But what they have for you is just a great variety of cannabis edibles, topicals, oils and more. They have CBD. They have products with Delta eight and Delta nine THC. Their psychoactive THC products do have the effect associated with marijuana, but it's federally legal because it's made from hemp so they can ship it to you anywhere in the United States. Unlike other companies that sell Delta eight and Delta nine THC products, ounce of hopes process is all done in house. So, you know, the products arriving at your door are safe and high quality. Ounce of hope is giving David Pakman show listeners 20 percent off everything they offer when you go to ounceofhope.com and use the code Pacman, that's O U N C E of hope.com, code Pacman for 20% off. The info is in the podcast notes. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact based reporting for some much needed clarity in the finance world, helping you to make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without conflict, making a balanced budget, boosting your credit score, saving more money for retirement, all sorts of really useful topics. Most people in the audience know I'm a big financial literacy advocate. I can tell you nerd wallet does a fantastic job here. Listen to nerd Wallet's smart money podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. There's something really disturbing we've been seeing in the news lately. The FBI is now gathering huge amounts of data on everything people do on phones and computers. And here is how data brokers collect information about what you look at online, where you go, your political views. The FBI then buys that data to keep track of you. It is a legal gray area that the government will happily take advantage of. They don't need a court order. They just do it. But it's not just the government because criminals can end up accessing that data and use it to target you for phishing or identity theft. Big tech companies, political campaigns can buy the data to try to influence you. But here is the solution. Our sponsor Incogni automatically sends data removal requests to the major data brokers who are required by law to remove your information upon request. If any of your information stays online, Incogni will even follow up with them about removing it. And Incogni keeps you updated with details at every step 
so you know when everything's been removed. It is a fantastic service that I use, and my audience gets 60% off. Go to incogni.com slash Pacman. Use the code Pacman. That's I N C O G N I dot com slash Pacman. And use the code Pacman for 60% off. The info is in the podcast notes. The David Pacman Show continues to be a community funded program. You can support our work, of course, by signing up on our website, joinpacman.com, and getting instant access to all of the great member benefits I talk about all the time. I won't list them again. You can use the coupon code indicted again to get yourself a discount. Also, make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. You can pick up the kids critical thinking book that is now available. Great for ages six to twelve, six and seven, probably with parents. You know what I mean? Uh, at davidpackmancom slash book. Many ways to support our work. Let's hear from some people in the audience. These are the most important people. Without you, there is no show. We take calls via discord on the Friday show at davidpackmancom slash discord. And we will start today with Chris from Massachusetts. Chris, what is going on, my friend? Hi, David. It's so wonderful to finally be able to speak with you. I had two quick questions that actually don't have to do with politics to start us off. Sure, that's allowed. So for, first, um, I know that you are a fan of tango music, of course. I was wondering if you were into any other forms of Latin American music from other parts of the world. Do you like salsa, mariachi, any of those? You know, I'm not huge on. Let me put it this way. I like all of it. I just don't know enough about it to be able to name any artists. It's sort of like I know when I go to certain restaurants or events, they have music of all of these styles that I like. But it's not like I take time out of my day to go and investigate artists or bands or anything like that. But sure, I mean, listen, other than country and hardcore heavy metal, uh, I'll go for most stuff, you know. Ah, fantastic, fantastic. Thank you. And my last quick question. Se sabe lo que le pasó a nuestro gran amigo Pedro, el disque colombiano. No, no sé qué le pasó. No me, no me llama más. Nunca llama. I loved him. <laughs> he was the best. Chris asking what happened to Pedro from Colombia. Yeah, we just haven't heard from him. And honestly, it feels like years, Chris. Oh, uh, well, that's all I have for you. Thank you so much for taking my call. All right. Chris from Massachusetts with a number of questions in a number of languages, and we love to see it. Let's go to Harry from Chicago, Illinois. Harry from Chicago, welcome to the David Pakman show. How may I serve you today, sir? Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, excellent. Excellent. So I used to call in as a Harry from Columbus. I don't know if you have any recollection of that. I've recently moved to Chicago, um, you know, after some brief inspiration from you, actually. Wow. I, I, you, I hold on. You moved from Columbus to Chicago because of something I said? In part, in part, you know, I wanted to move anyway, but, oh. you know, just some stuff that you said really put me over the edge. And why Chicago? Did it, have I sung its praises before? No, I mean, not necessarily Chicago okay. so much as getting out of a red state and going into a blue state. I gotcha. I and think, and do you, are you enjoying that? Yeah, I am greatly. I am. I haven't driven on a highway in like two weeks now. I think my brain is finally healing a little bit. <laughs> That's good. Um, 
but it's been really good. Well, um, to any so, extent that you want to thank me, I will accept the praise. Thank you. Well, I mean, I know you used to also live in Western Massachusetts. Is that correct? Yeah. I went to college there. Do you know about Holyoke? Yes, yes, I do. Okay, did you did you pronounce it Holyoke or Hoyoke? No, no, no. I you know, I'm not into this whole Hoyoke thing. I pronounce it Holyoke. Now remember, I'm from Argentina and I only lived in that region for a, for a time and never in Holyoke, but I pronounce it Holyoke. Yeah, it takes time to learn the language like Amherst and uh, Holyoke. <laughs> okay. Uh so my my question about politics after, Please. you know, last week's rulings, all the bad SCOTUS rulings, bad in my opinion, of course. Um, how do you feel about SCOTUS? It's not, it's something that it engages in specifically is judicial review, mm -hmm. right? Uh, ultimately determined in, I think it was Marbury v. Madison way back when that SCOTUS could do this. Now, other countries, other democracies, they don't have this kind of judicial review. Um, do you consider it something bad? Do you think more justices is the problem. People on the left have criticized that. Uh, yeah. Do you think judicial review is needed to be a check and balance? What do you what do you think about, you know, judicial review of law that is passed? So listen, obviously I am not a legal expert, so I speak to the political implications here. I do believe that there is a degree to which judicial review, meaning the power of a court to say this law that was passed, no good, it's unconstitutional. To some degree, it can be undemocratic. The nine justices are not elected and they can say, well, we're overriding the popular sovereignty of states and blah, 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 blah. OK, but sometimes they may be making the right decision and we might want it. You can say judicial review is unreliable because, as you're pointing out, it depends to some degree on personal views and biases. We know that a left wing Supreme Court versus a right wing Supreme Court is likely to come down in different places on many important and controversial decisions. You can argue that judicial review is unnecessary in that there are better ways to protect certain rights, either by referenda or media scrutiny or, you know, but but at the same time, sometimes you can't. There's the argument that it's counterproductive because then when there's judicial review that goes counter to the party that is in power, there's a backlash effect where the party in power says, all right, well, we're going to now figure out some other way to do the thing so that we can act you know, like Biden figuring out a different way to do student loans. So I think that there are really good arguments against judicial review. But where I am trying to focus most based on my audience and what I do is right. uh, we we have to remember that if Hillary Clinton had defeated Donald Trump, a lot of what we have seen from this Supreme Court would never have happened. It is undeniable at this point. This is not to shame anybody. This is not to insult anybody. I am doing a show that is based around electoral politics. We have an election coming up. We need to beat people over the head metaphorically with the reality that we may again have this sort of situation, depending on who wins in November of 2024, and that everything that's happened, the justices that are now on the court, Roe v. Wade, all of these different things. If Hillary Clinton gets to put a few people on the court instead of Donald Trump based on winning in 2016, we have a completely yeah. different Supreme Court. It's not a solution. It doesn't answer a lot of these questions, but it's a reminder about the importance of these elections. Yeah, I, I agree that I don't think I don't have any delusions that judicial review is going away anytime soon. Correct. And I, I agree if, you know, four out of nine of the justices are you know, were either stolen, elected from presidents who didn't win the popular vote. I agree that electoralism is probably the best way to, to, beat, to beat the monster of the SCOTUS, even though 
in the 200 year history of our country. It's been mostly a right wing institution that has dominated us. You know, with all that in mind, we can still hope. Uh, thanks for taking my call, David. All right, Harry from Chicago. Great to hear from you. Just a reminder for people waiting to chat with me. You must have your name and location in your nickname. If you just have one or the other or just a nickname or that sort of thing, uh, you are not going to be called on. It's sort of just like can folks follow basic directions? We're trying to have some filter. So we try to get quality calls. So we do uh, we do enforce that. We do enforce that. Let's go to Vitali from Iowa. Vitali from Iowa, welcome to the David Pakman Show. Hi, David. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right. Uh, so I have, uh, you might have gotten this question before, but um, I am sort of along the lines uh, where you are. I would consider myself more of a social democrat. And uh, I, I've encountered a lot of my peers who are more along the lines of uh, democratic socialists, anarcho-communists, et cetera. And uh, there's a lot of infighting. Uh, I even get called right wing sometimes. Okay, mm-hmm. so I was wondering uh, what you would say to that and how to stop all this infighting that's going on. Well, these are two very different questions. If I, as a social Democrat, were called right wing, I would do what I already do, which is to say, tell me which positions of mine are right wing. And that usually grinds the conversation to a halt because it's very hard to name positions of mine that are right wing. So at the individual level, Vitali, when people call you right wing because you're a social Democrat and not a socialist, ask them to enumerate your right wing positions. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Okay. Sure. Now, um, in terms of more generally about reducing the infighting, I have absolutely no idea. Um, the, the reality is that the infighting on the right, I believe, is more uh, prevalent right now than than on the left, even though it's very popular to say the left has all this infighting. It's true. You can find people on the left who, if you don't subscribe to every idea about all of these issues, what what usually with cultural issues, there is a slice of the left which will say you're not really on the left. But it's actually relatively small, whereas on the right, the MAGA versus anti MAGA stuff is really ugly and we'll see to what extent it's destructive. But it's lost them a bunch of elections so far. So, I mean, listen, It'd be great if the the entire left can get on the same page and then we all sing Kumbaya and all of this stuff. The reality is that there's a spectrum of the left from center left Democrats all the way out to, you know, Leninist left and revolutionary left and socialist and all these different things. If we're really honest, most of the left is on the same page when it comes to a particular election. Who are we better off with? And that doesn't mean some people don't stay home or protest vote or whatever the case may be. But I actually think the left is quite united. All right. Um, Yeah, thank you for your insight, David. I just want to say I've been a a subscriber for a few years now, and you were actually uh, you helped uh, pulled me out of the MAGA right. So I just want to say thank you, sir. Well, thank you for your service. I appreciate it. Yes. All right. There goes Vitali from Iowa with a very powerful declaration. Let's go to Pam from Florida. 
Pam from Florida. Welcome to the David Pakman show. What's on your mind today? Please unmute yourself, Pam. Pam, please unmute yourself so that we can talk. You are muted and it is you're doing and you're okay, doing. There you go. Thank, yeah. Hi. Hey, David, I am so happy that. Uh, Howard Stern is now listening to you. Yes, I, I had written him a million times, but um, anyway, I'm here in Florida. I can see all the stuff that DeSantis is doing that isn't necessarily on the national stage uh, as far as insurance, the issues in insurance and everything else. I know how bad he is. And um, I don't know if Trump does not wind up running, which I think is slim, but if he doesn't, if he doesn't win the, um, the or if he doesn't get to uh, compete in the primary, it, hold on a second. Let, let me, yeah. Pam, let me. So Trump is running. You're saying if he loses the primary or if he ends up no, dropping out? No, no, out? I'm sorry. If, if he doesn't even get to the primary. Like if he drops that, out before the voting would... starts. Right. Gotcha. Do you think, do you think DeSantis has a, a chance? Yeah. I mean, as listen, as... if we just look at the math, if Trump's gone, DeSantis is the guy who seems best positioned. In my head, I'm thinking you know, if Trump ends up having to dump because of whatever reason, maybe Republicans could right. like be sane again and select Chris Christie. But I don't think Chris that they're going Christie. to. I, I think just looking at the no. numbers, DeSantis is best positioned if Trump fails. Right. I see that. And it's it's uh, very scary. Um, and what about the MAGAs if Trump isn't in the race? That's a really good question, go because Trump's attacked Ron DeSantis significantly. Right. So there's a really good question, which is if Trump bails, what percentage of the current Trump support goes to DeSantis or do they go to someone else or do they not even participate? I don't know right. the answer to that right now, Pam. Mm -hmm. OK. OK. Yeah, it's just he's just he scares me more than Trump. I, agree. I never thought I'd say that. I agree. No, I mean, we had this uh, on the Monday show. The voicemail was about this. I think that. Mm -hmm. He's he's less visibly bonkers, but he's less incompetent and would get more crazy things done. So right. I think DeSantis is super scary and has a just a like determination that his way like you see it in his eyes like he just, you know, I know he's doing it for to win over that that sector, that voting um, population. But also it just she's just he's handmaid's tale and it's just. It's a real big threat. But anyway, thank you so much. For All right, Pam. My call. Thank you, Pam from Florida. Great to hear from you. Let's just take a very quick break and then we'll go back to the phone. So uh, just hang on if you're waiting to talk to me. We'll take a very quick break and then be right back. One of our sponsors today is Fume. Not everything in a bad habit is wrong. So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad part from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award winning device that does exactly that. Fume is not electronic. There's no vapor or harmful chemicals. Fume is just a delicious flavored air that makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts, which is great for fidgeting, which can be great for people breaking bad habits. Look at what people online are saying. They weren't sure what to expect, but ended up loving the taste and the feel. Stopping is something lots of people put off because it's difficult to do. 
but switching to fume is easy and enjoyable. There's no reason that you can't be the next fume success story. Head on over to tryfume.com and use the code Pacman to save 10%. When you get the journey pack, which comes with the device and three flavors, that's tryfum.com. Code Pacman saves you 10% on the journey pack. The info is in the podcast notes. Summer is in full swing. No better time to get out and explore. My favorite way is on my electric bike. It's just great exercise like a regular bike, but you can go further. You can see more. My electric bike is the XP 3.0 from our sponsor, Electric E-Bikes, thousand watt motor with a ton of torque. I can go up to 28 miles an hour. It's just super fun. My XP 3.0 also has upgraded hydraulic brakes five level pedal assist, providing intuitive and smooth acceleration and a twist grip throttle for pure power at the tip of your fingers. All of their e-bikes are packed with advanced features. The LCD display is super bright, seven speed gearing, a removable battery that you can charge indoors that'll go up to 65 miles on one charge. Every model folds up so I can put it in my car, the garage. Electric e-bikes cost way less than the competition with financing as low as 73 bucks a month. So your outdoor fun won't cost you a fortune. Every bike ships free and fully assembled. So what are you waiting for? Start your journey at electricebikes.com. That's L E C T R I C ebikes.com. The link is in the podcast notes. Let's go back to discord and speak to a few more people. We do take calls on the Friday show at davidpackmancom slash discord. Let's go. Um, why don't we go? We go next to Rolando from Miami, Florida. Rolando, welcome to the program. What is on your mind today? Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. Perfect. Hi, David. Uh, good to talk to you. Likewise. Uh, I've been a long time uh, listener. And so uh, my question, funny enough, uh, is kind of piggybacking off of the previous caller and some of the discourse around DeSantis and kind of his threat on the national level as president, um, or I guess at least versus Trump. Um, I kind of question that just a little bit. I do agree that he's been very effective in Florida, but I guess my question is how much of that is because of the uh, legislative environment in Florida, being that he has both the, uh, the Florida House and Senate being able to pass some of his agendas. I kind of question maybe how he'll be able to stack up against a lot of national players, um, especially like in the House and Senate and even like his overall demeanor. Uh, I have a lot of questions of, um, on that. What's kind of your take? I am 100 percent in agreement with you. I think that in a number of ways, DeSantis isn't ready for prime time. I don't think DeSantis has what it takes from from a campaign standpoint to run a national campaign, particularly against a guy who is so captivating to, to many Republicans, as is Trump, apparently. Uh, I don't think he has what it takes there. And it's also extraordinarily difficult if we flash forward and imagine that Ron DeSantis wins the primary and defeats Joe Biden and becomes president of the United States. It is really difficult to imagine uh, DeSantis as a serious player who's going to get major legislation done. I, I, I'm as skeptical as you are. And listen, we're just making predictions. We could be totally wrong, but I don't see the guy as having what it takes. 
Sure, yeah. And then also seeing recently now a lot of Republican donors are pulling back from him. Yeah. Uh, other people in the party seem to be reluctant about him as well. Of course, that could all change if somehow he does become the the, the primary candidate. Uh, people could kind of come around and coalesce around him uh, just to get that win in the White House. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, I despite kind of all the the hype around him i think is seems as of at least right now is going to kind of fall short and i don't know i'm my money right now is going to be trump versus versus biden yeah i mean listen if i were betting today i think that that's certainly the most likely outcome with the caveat that there are unknowns trump could get arrested and indicted a third time a fourth time maybe it pulls him off the campaign trail who knows but it would take a major event right not not the normal sort there's no attack ad desantis can run that's going to put him ahead of Trump right now, that sort of thing. Sure. And do you think uh, I mean, I've been taking a look at a polling, but how do you think, uh, I guess, DeSantis versus Biden? What are those what are those odds looking like? Well, according to the polling, DeSantis does better against Biden than Trump. So like to, if we're just super like empirical about it, there's an argument to be made that Biden would be better off running against Trump than he would against DeSantis. So that that's the only data point I have. All right. Sounds good. Well, David, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate uh, you speaking with me and, uh, you know, good luck with the rest of the show. Thanks so much. There is Rolando from Miami. Great to hear from you. Very much appreciate it. Let's go next to Stephen from Tacoma. Stephen, welcome to the program. What's going on today? Uh, yes. Uh, can you hear me? Yes. Um, yes. I wanted to talk about um, uh, the, the thing around RFK Jr. right now and uh, how he's doing so well in the polls right now. And um, how much of that do you think is um, not really his policies, but mainly his right name recognition as a Kennedy? I think that kind the name rec name recognition is a part of it, um, but also uh, it. it his I've seen some breakdowns and his support seems to have spiked in particular, actually among Republicans, interestingly enough. And um, the other thing is, if you go back and look at look at his polling, I have it on the screen in front of me in early May and late April. Let me let me say it more chronologically in late April, early May. There are a bunch of polls that have RFK around 20 percent, like there's an Emerson poll that had him at 21 a Fox poll that had him at 19, a CNN poll at 20. Now he rarely even hits 15. Like there's one poll that has him at 17, but now he's as low as eight and typically in the low to mid teens. He, overall, RFK actually seems to have lower polling support today than he did um, several months ago. So I don't know. I don't really make much of it one way or the other. I think that it's a potentially a spoiler campaign. I think there's a lot of MAGA people that like it because it's chaotic and it might hurt Joe Biden. But, you know, I've talked about it. I, I feel like the, I, it's, I've struggled, Stephen, to find the right amount to talk about RFK. When I don't talk about him, people say I'm ignoring him because I'm scared. When I do talk about him, people write to me, say, David, this guy's got no shot and he's cuckoo. Why are you even talking about him? You know, if you're polling for 14 in the Democratic primary, I think it makes sense that I talk about you a little bit, but I don't find the entire thing super impressive. OK, yeah, because I figured that a lot of his name, a lot of his name recognition was helping him in the polls and yeah. whatever weight the Kennedy name still has. But it might. For, I think 
for I think for really anybody under maybe the age of 40, that's kind of a historical name. That's just kind of my two cents on it. But I, as I can see some of the polls, he's starting to go down. People are starting to notice that he's getting more support from like Steve Bannon and all the MAGA people. Yeah. And people are starting to figure out they're looking beyond the Kennedy name and realizing, oh, wait, this guy is he's he's a um, he, I'm not going to say the term, but he's trying to mess up the potential primary or potential uh Biden vote. Yeah, I mean, listen, we'll see where it goes. But my money is that it doesn't have a lot of oxygen left to grab. Yeah, I figured that, too. All right. All right. Thank you, David. All right. Thank you very much. There's Stephen from Tacoma. Very, very important uh, subject matter being discussed in general on today's program. And I appreciate that. Why don't we go next to. Oh, I don't know. How about David from Regina, Regina? Saskatchewan, <laughs> Regina, actually, Regina. is that true? That's how it's pronounced. Yes, it is. Actually, there, there's a song wow. online called Experience Regina. Jim, Jimmy Fallon actually has uh, he's covered that before. But uh, David from Regina, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I guess my question today, I've been, you know, you had a caller a few weeks back who was talking about uh, gender and and sex. And I, and I feel like something's happening a lot where the right is conflating these two things a lot, right? Like they don't understand the difference between biological sex and, and gender expression, right? Yep. You know, while they're related, they're not the same thing. So I guess my question is like, how the hell do we even start to have that discussion, right? <laughs> like, I feel like we can't even have a discussion about the issue without people understanding what that even means, if that makes sense. Like, is there yeah, I don't do know. Like, I, I feel like so the call in the call you're thinking of, I made an attempt to try to explain to the caller who maybe was just unwilling rather than unable to see. I gave the example of The Rock and then the fashion designer Isaac Mizrahi. And I think that in a respectful mm -hmm. way, I explained you understand these are both males, right? We're talking about biological males. They were born male, et cetera. We're talking they're both male. The Rock expresses gender in a much more stereotypically masculine way, whereas Isaac Mizrahi uh, expresses gender in a much more feminine way. Like you, so the idea right. was to get him to think, okay, right, penis, penis, I see that, and then here's one presentation, and here's another presentation. Oh, there's more than just the genitalia. Like I, I tried, you know. I, I think sometimes it's it's like you've got to use examples like that to maybe get them to think about these things. But I agree with you. A lot of them do. They they don't seem to want to get it, honestly. Well, and, and that's just it, right? I think, and, and I think honestly, like if they would just take even just like a, an introductory level course in like any of these social science topics, like, like we've, been, we've talked about this for decades and decades and like there's yeah. not, there's really no debate about the difference between these things anymore, right? So, no. but it's scary stuff, like it has a real impact and, and you know, we're, we're definitely frightened up here in Canada watching your Supreme Court do all these weird things. So um, yeah, I hope, uh, I hope you guys can turn that around with the next election for sure. Well, let's hope so. We are, I, I am on board with, uh, with your, now how is, is this an issue that's even really discussed where you are or is it just like people don't really talk about this? Um, you know, I'm in Saskatchewan and we're kind of the most right wing place in Canada. So um, like it's conservative haven here. Um, but as a country, as a whole, I, I I mean, it's discussed and there's like kind of a fringe movement of people who want to do the whole mega thing here. Um, but I would say as a majority, I don't see that happening. I don't see that movement uh, getting a lot of traction. Um, even even here in the conservative kind of Bible belt of Canada, it's it's while it's more popular here, some of these ideas, they're still not getting enough traction to like influence a lot of policy and and that kind of thing. So I think I'm hoping we're safe. I mean, <laughs> I, I knock on wood, right? So 
I hope that that's the case, David. I appreciate the call. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. Great to hear from our uh, friendly neighbors to the north, of course. Let's go to Devin from Virginia. Devin from Virginia, welcome to the David Pakman Show. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I just want to talk about my state and kind of like how it's not really doing great, uh, specifically about them enforcing that I have to show my ID to access an adult website called uh, Pornhub. And um, now there are loopholes to this. Like I can simply turn off my Wi-Fi and I can access it. So <laughs> it's a very flawed system. But wait, if you turn off really Wi-Fi, how do you access a website? Do you, don't you need the internet um, connection? Uh, with my data on my phone. Like, oh, uh, I oh, use... oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's the big loopholes and like VPN. So it's not really effective and it's like very dangerous. Right. If you show your ID on Pornhub, like it can easily be your ID can be stolen. So yeah, it's just uh, really dumb. So luck. have you and your friends sort of like uh, figured out how to get around this ID requirement? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, like I said, VPN is, yeah. is done, like search like uh thing on Google when it happened. Right. Um, and other states as well, too. So, yeah, it's like it's not very effective. It's more dangerous for people and for children. It, it's just like, I, I don't know if it's like culture war, protect the kids type stuff. I don't know. Now, thinking really bigger picture, other than difficulty access, slight difficulty accessing porn, what else don't you like that's going on in Virginia? Um, Let's see. I would say our, our governor, like he uh, he won based on uh, you know, saying, uh, critical race theories in our schools yeah, and that boosted him and, and he won based off that. And I was really disappointed with Virginians, uh, for sure. Cause I thought we'd be smarter than that, but I guess not. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's, you know, it's, it's tough, you know, you uh, thinking about moving? For, uh, um, yeah. When, when I'm able to have the funds for it. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. I would definitely like to move maybe Colorado. I always like the cold. So, yeah. Well, Devin, um, we're sending you our best. All right. Thanks. I appreciate a lot. All right. Devin from Virginia sticking it out. He's figured out how to get the porn, but still struggling with the governor. That's uh, that's a situation. That's for sure. Let's go next to Ryan from Auburn, New York. Ryan, welcome to the David Pakman show. What can I do for you today? Ryan, please accept my invitation to join me for a discussion. Oh, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Hey, David. Um, I had a question on AI. I actually was scrolling through some shorts today and I got this weird ad and it was a fake celebrity endorsement from, um, you know, one of these celebrity chefs. And it was obvious to me that it was AI. Uh -huh. But how long do you think it's going to be before AI, before we can't tell, you know, before someone says, hey, I want a David Pakman endorsement and I'm just going to fake it, you know, with AI. I think that for the tech, I think the technology for it to be indistinguishable is probably already there. And I think it's a matter of 12 to 18 months because before it becomes more widely available, uh, affordable for pedestrian use all the time to trick people in the way you're saying maybe a couple of years. But I think it's basically here. I think it's almost there right now. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think one one thing I heard on this, I wanted your your take, like, one person was saying, you know, there's there's already people doing deep fakes of jokes with Joe Biden and, and Trump, and they're like playing video games and, and trash talking each other. Yep. But and, and you can tell that they're fake. But um, if someone had like a full Biden speech, like a like, uh, you know, addressing the nation and yep. they just slipped in one or two sentences, that would be probably 
very easy to get by, don't yep. you think? Oh yeah, because you'd have to go back and sort of watch the entire speech to even see is this clip genuinely from that speech or not. I mean, this stuff can get very dangerous. I don't I'm not I don't yet know what the solution is to be honest, but it can it could be very effectively dangerous or dangerously effective depending on your view. Yeah, and and a lot of people have a lot of views about how AI is going to destroy us. I don't think it's going to destroy us as far as like, you know, Ultron from, you know, Marvel or whatever. I think it's more like it's going to give us the ability to destroy ourselves or not be able to believe anybody or anything. 100%. And and part of that is quite Huxleyan in terms of the the view of Aldous Huxley and Brave New World, which is you don't really need to censor, just put out so much nonsense that nobody will even know what to pay attention to, what to believe, etc. And that's a very, very scary situation. I agree 100 um, percent. That was the only question I had for today, but uh, really appreciate your thoughts. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Very much appreciate it. And thanks to everybody who called in. We'll take calls again, but for now, we'll take a quick break and then be right back with more. One of our sponsors is Yada, the free banking app that makes it fun to save money. Just like a regular bank account, you can withdraw your money anytime and it's fully FDIC insured. When you keep your money in a Yada bank account, you'll have a shot at winning nightly cash prizes ranging from two cents to a million dollars. For every $25 in your account, you get one recurring ticket to the nightly prize drawing. So if you deposit $100, you get four tickets every single night without needing to make any more deposits. Yada also offers some great budgeting features, the possibility of early paydays, a debit card that rewards you with up to 100% cash back and tickets on every purchase. Yada members have already won over $15 million. So say goodbye to the traditional savings account with the minimal interest rate. Freakonomics have described prize linked savings accounts like a no lose lottery. Download the app now. Start saving for a chance to win big with Yada, the app where savings meets excitement. Go to withyada.com slash Pacman. That's with y o t t a dot com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. I love my Helix sleep mattress. I've been sleeping on Helix mattresses for years now, which is why I asked them to be a sponsor. You actually take their famous sleep quiz, takes just a few minutes to answer questions about your sleep preferences, body type, sleep position, whether you have back pain. And Helix will match you with a mattress that's perfect for you, which is really unique and helpful because a lot of people don't know where to start when buying a mattress. I certainly didn't. Their newest collection of mattresses called Helix Elite come with a built in Glaciotex layer to keep you cool at night, an extra layer of foam for pressure relief and thousands of extra micro coils for best in class support and durability. All of their mattresses ship right to your door totally free. They come with a 10 or 15 year warranty and you get 100 nights to decide if you like it. My audience gets a huge 25 percent discount on all purchases plus two free pillows. Go to helix sleep dot com slash Pacman and enter the code helix partner 25 at checkout. That's helix sleep dot com slash Pacman. Then use code helixpartner25 to get 25% off and two free pillows 
The info is in the podcast notes. Let's dive into headfirst the Friday feedback, a.k.a. Friday feedback, also known as really ignorant people write to me and I struggle to explain the things that they say. We're going to start today with someone named Zoyara Zorai Zoyara Zavoba, who says you mud be do lonely in your dungeon. I know it's your job to talk bad about Trump, Republican conservatives. That's how you make views. But does it truly bring you happiness? When was the last time you felt free, peaceful and joyful? Go to church this Sunday. Seek and you will find the capital T truth. Oh, boy, it's hard to take this seriously and engage with it in anything approximating a serious manner. But um, it actually does bring me happiness to be able to. And this is no disrespect to anyone who likes it, but to be able to not have some boss waiting for me who says, sir, we start at nine oh five and you didn't get here until nine oh eight this morning. And to be able to talk about or focus on whatever I want any day, if I want to take time off, I take time off like that. It really brings me happiness to not only have that work schedule and situation, but also to be able to have such a great community present company, of course, accepted as far as this message is concerned. Uh, of people who I engage with, and it really does bring me happiness. So I know that that's, of course, the number one concern concern of Zoyara Zavoba, but uh, no need to worry about me. Thank you very much. D.W. says, Pacman, can you please explain why you never talk about Biden's and Clinton's unclassified documents because they're not classified? I'm guessing that's an error. Only a president can declassify documents, not a vice president or a secretary of state. I wonder why most commenters on this channel are only concerned about Trump's actions. Could it be because they will let it slide if they agree with the person's politics? No, no, no. How many times have I talked about Biden's documents and Hillary Clinton's documents at this point? Dozens and dozens. The reality is the facts are different. The way our correspondent Luke Beasley explained to some of those Maga Magadonians, Magapotamians earlier this week in Pickens, South Carolina, the facts are different. Joe Biden had a small number of documents. They were immediately returned when found. There was no alleged obstruction. There was no alleged witness tampering. There was no showing the documents to random people on the portico of Mar-a-Lago or whatever. OK, there was none of that. Hillary Clinton. Yes, she was careless. That was the determination. But an investigation determined no crimes were committed. It's, I talk about it. It's just that it's a different set of facts. What this person really should be saying is, I don't care that it's a different set of facts. I want Biden and Hillary to be indicted, too, just because of their partisan uh, 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 affiliation. I don't want it to just be Trump. Well, maybe Trump's the only one who committed crimes. Have to consider that. Have to consider that. Uh, next person who goes by the username life is a gift. Cherish every moment. All right. Says I was born in the United States of America in 1950. 
For most of my life, I thought of myself as a patriot and I admired and respected others who referred to themselves as patriots. That all changed on January 6th, 2021. Now I am very cautious around anyone who calls themselves a patriot. If this is patriotism, I am very concerned for the future of the United States of America. Well, of course, they're correct. And I've spoken about this before. The right has obtained a monopoly on patriotism, not on patriotism, the thing on patriotism, the word. And we've spoken before about the difference between patriotism and nationalism. We've done that. We've gone down this rabbit hole before. It is not uh, a uniquely right wing thing. And I would argue there is nothing patriotic about the modern MAGA movement. It is patriotic to say, hey, you know what? We're Americans. We're not going to let anyone's standard of living fall below a certain level. It's patriotic to say we'll make sure everybody has housing and food and health care. Wow, that's patriotism. OK, that is just as valid as whatever cockamamie version of patriotism these people on the right ascribe to that word. Uh, Stephen wrote in noticing what's been happening on our TikToks and says 500,000 on TikTok, but how many on Troth? Troth Central. Yeah. Uh, listen, we're not we're not on Troth Central or Truth Social, but I have to tell you what is happening on TikTok is unbelievable. Now, I know TikTok may be banned and all these different things. I listen, I get it. OK, I have no control over that to the extent that it's a platform on, on which we can get our message out. I think we're up to five hundred and thirty thousand followers on TikTok. much of it because of the great work of my colleague John and helping us build that platform, much of it because of the shift to short form content. I, I know that this is really difficult to believe. We now are seeing as many monthly views on TikTok as we get on our YouTube channel. And we've been on TikTok like a year and a half and we've been on YouTube more than a decade. And the YouTube channel is big. OK, it is stunning the growth that we're having there. And the important thing is we are getting the message out at this point. I think I get recognized on the street as much for, hey, you're the TikTok guy uh, as, as I do for YouTube. It's an incredible thing. Colin Peterkowski says, without Christianity, you have chaos. Are you blind? You know, whenever I see comments like these, the same thought always occurs to me, which is, are you telling me that the only thing keeping you from acting in a disgusting or criminal way or immoral way is your belief that Jewish carpenter Jesus died and was resurrected and was born to a virgin. And there was this ark and eating shrimp is bad. And like you're, you're saying if you didn't have that, you'd be out murdering people for people to say we would have no moral compass if we didn't have God telling us what to do. You're saying the only thing keeping you from murdering people is that God says it's not a good thing to do. That's scary. That's really, really scary. And so I struggle with this type of statement. Listen, if the community and the idea of something bigger than yourself from religion is a positive thing for you and it helps you to connect with those around you and have a, a optimistic outlook on life, 
Oh, absolutely. There is no denying the importance of religion separating, of course, from specific religious beliefs. There's no way that we can minimize some of the positive things about religious community in history and negative things as well. We can talk about, but without Christianity, you have chaos. Very, very tough, very, very tough. And by the way, countries with very little Christianity often have very little crime, which would be another way to say they're, they're not particularly chaotic. Libby Shipman commented on Facebook and says the thing about Chris Christie is that no matter how good he campaigns, it's obvious that he cannot control his eating. So how can he be trusted to control anything else? And Linda Anderson says that is a ridiculous comment. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a pretty stupid thing to say. He can't control his eating. So what? He he has a worse. You'd rat. You'd sooner give Trump the nuclear codes because Chris Christie eats a lot. I mean, it just it's 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 quite a strange non sequitur. It, it really is. Um, I, it, you know, it's less about refuting the specifics of this, but more about you're allowed to decide who to vote for using absolutely any rubric or standard. And many of these people do there. Th the message we should get is that there are people like Libby who would say, I guess I'd rather Trump because Chris Christie is eats a lot. By the way, Trump's also obese, which is a whole other story. But maybe maybe Libby prefers. I don't know who's thin Vivek Ramaswamy, because Vivek can control the amount he eats and Chris Christie can't it. The this is what we're up against, and we are much better off just finding people and getting them to vote rather than convincing people like Libby to change their minds, because they're probably not going to a Reddit user knower of stuff. Remember, the David Pakman show subreddit is at uh, davidpakmancom slash Reddit knower of stuff says, are we at a point where conservatives are simultaneously buying and trying to ban electric vehicles to own the libs? Like, wouldn't it be surprising if you had conservative Elon Musk fanatics who bought Tesla's partially because they think it will trigger liberals by supporting a Musk company. But on the other hand, you still have most conservatives who are anti-environmentalist and hate electric vehicles like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who calls calls them a threat to the country lawmaker in Wyoming, who pretty much tried to ban them basically to own the libs. Yeah, it's it's it reminds me of the vaccine. Donald Trump deserves all of the credit for developing these vaccines, which don't work, are killing people. And I absolutely will not take Trump deserves credit for that. He's way better than Joe Biden. What? Wait, so is the vaccine good or bad? Doesn't matter. It is a very similar thing with Twitter. It's easier because it's like, OK, Twitter is less about lifestyle. It's less about broader political beliefs. It's like you're on Twitter or you're not. You like Elon Musk's handling of it or you don't. The electric vehicle one is interesting because a lot of these right wingers hate electric vehicles. But at the same time, they do think that it is an easy way now to trigger the left by supporting Elon Musk. So maybe what they'll do is they'll go and buy a Tesla to support Musk, but then they'll burn it. I don't know. Or something like that. Like the people who are shooting Bud Lights with with shotguns. It's all very, very weird. All right. Lastly, Big D says to me on Instagram, this guy is on the payroll of the left. Don't believe him. He has not talked a word about the Hunter Biden indictment. Thus, guy is sketchy. Sketchy is misspelled. Well, Big D, a couple different things. I've been talking about Hunter Biden for years. I was away at a wedding the week that Hunter uh, struck a plea deal. 
and I have spoken about it since multiple times. So every single one of these claims is false. By the way, I'm on the payroll of the left. If by the payroll of the left, you mean that there are people on the left who get memberships on my website and support my work, guilty as charged. If you mean payroll of the left, as in the Democratic establishment, the DNC, George Soros or whoever are funding this program, the answer is they are not. And I challenge you to present a shred of evidence, a shred of evidence for a decade. These folks have been saying that you must be on the payroll of the DNC, I'm not even a Democrat. Why would they pay me? Doesn't make a lot of sense. MSNBC must be paying you. Why would MSNBC pay people who aren't even on their network? Very strange. Not much of an understanding of how anything works, quite frankly. Uh, find some kind of proof that any of these organizations are paying me. And I will say, you got me. You got me. I did everything right and they indicted me. OK, I will say it here. Uh, all right. We have a fantastic bonus show for you. Sign up at joinpacman.com. Folks, in all seriousness, the children's critical thinking book is available for pre order on Kindle and in paperback right now. I hold in front of me proof number one. This is the first proof. Okay. This is an historic item. Uh, go to davidpackman.com slash book. Donate them to your kids' class. Bring them around to school libraries. Uh, give them as gifts. This is really something special that we're doing. DavidPackman.com slash book. We'll see you on the bonus show. If you're not on the bonus show, then I'll see you back here Monday.